ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK. Good afternoon, Northeastern Pennsylvania, and welcome to the Beer Geeks on WILK. Um, here talking a little bit, a bit of beer as we usually do on Sundays. A uh, little brewery goodness, local brewery goodness, in-house brewery goodness in the form of Benny Brewing and um, Ben Schoenfeld. How, what's going on, man? How you doing, guys? Oh, we're hanging here. Good beer. We just cracked into your uh, IPA. What's the name of the sucker? It's uh, Hoppenstein. Hoppenstein. Is this uh, one of your, uh, would you consider this kind of like your, your um, what's the word I'm looking for? Core here? brand. Core Flagship, yeah, flagship, flagship core, yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's available all year round. Nice. So we'll be talking to him, getting a bunch of Benny Brewing stuff and yada, yada, yada. And we got a semi-full house today again. We got a little uh, Joe from NAPA Beer Reviews. What's going on, dude? Not too much. How are you? A little Brad, a little meat smoke. Hey, what's going on? And uh, head back. Two weeks in a row. It's like... Yep, two weeks. Glad to be back, man. Who would have thunk it? You know what thunk? I mean? It's amazing. <laughs> it's like uh, some kind of weird, funny analogy I can't think of. I, anyway. I thought Derek got him in the divorce. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit of Benny Bruna today. Before we get into that, let's get in a little bit of beer news and stuff like that. Um, first things first. Um... Let's see. The U.S. There's, the U.S. has reached the highest amount of breweries open in its history, reaching a new all-time high. Uh, information released by the Brewers Association is now there's a 4,656. I guess you would say, I want to say licensed, maybe named breweries. A lot of these are breweries that are going to be opening, stuff like that. So the count might be a little bit askew from who's actually pouring beers. But to see that kind of growth in the industry is pretty awesome. Um, It seems like breweries are popping up. It's like every day almost. Yeah. A new brewery's coming out. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, um, you know, you figured there's going to be some kind of um, saturation point at some time uh, when it comes to the amount of breweries. But uh, there's so many people. Like, uh, Like we were talking about a while ago, I forget when it, uh, what show it was, but uh, New Jersey, I think, only has 70 breweries in it, and it's like the most densely populated state in the country. Was that the, uh, the episode with uh, John Hall? It probably was. And, uh, and 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 just to see that they only have 70 breweries, I actually don't know off the top of my head how many Pennsylvania has. I think it's quite a few. I know California leads the way with like 700 or something like no, that. We, but. Um, yeah, there's going to be a Pennsylvania-only um, craft brewery thing up at, I think, at Camelback in the fall. And I think the guy said he sent out like a 280 uh, invitations, and he's hoping for 80 breweries. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so there's got to be a decent amount. Yeah, definitely a decent amount. Um, here's a weird one, um, and maybe it's a sign of things to come. The whole Ballast Point executive team has stepped down. And it's been replaced by the um, executives from Constellation, which is the um, distribution company. What is it? What do they own? Um, um, Corona, I believe it yeah, was. Yeah, Corona, Modelo, uh, and actually a lot of like wine and spirits, too. Yeah, so they uh, they have replaced the executive staff there at Ballast Point. So who knows what's going to happen there with the beer and the brewery and whatnot. But the, you usually hope things like that don't transpire when, uh, when these breweries get kind of bought out and taken over by uh, separate companies. But... Uh, you know, it's a sign of the times. Uh, and this is another sign of growth. Uh, the uh, USC's double-digit hop acreage increase. So up 18% the amount of hops being produced in the uh, United States now. I mean, that's if you're going to look at an indicator of the growth in the industry. I'm sure they've grown 18% to keep up with demand, not necessarily because they just felt like growing. You oh, know absolutely. what I mean? So um, that in itself just shows you how big and how robust the uh, brewing world is here in the uh, United States. Um, Pennsylvania welcomes Devil's Backbone. 
Uh, finally yeah. got distribution in Pennsylvania. Should be seeing some of their beers um, soon enough. Um, who are they owned by again? AB InBev. Oh, yes. how would you know that, Brad? Because yeah, uh, I work for AB InBev. <laughs> um, yeah, they um, they bought AB InBev. I think it was what, what a year and a half ago. Or was it beginning of uh, beginning of last year? Was it maybe? Oh uh, no, actually, I think the beginning of this year. Oh, was it? Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's, it's, actually it long, it's a pretty fast merger to distribution. Okay. Yeah, because usually in the state of Pennsylvania, you know, you got grandfathered rights. So a lot of the th- stuff that Anheuser-Busch has been buying already has rights, so you don't see distribution sometimes because they don't want to deal with the smaller wholesalers that they used to be with, where this one was like Devil's Backbone wasn't in Pennsylvania at all. So as soon as they signed it, it's, they were ready to go. Okay. You know, just give it to the, you know, it's probably Penn and Gretz are probably bringing the first ones in down in Philly. So it's one of those things where it's, you know, probably going to follow the same path as like Goose Island, stuff like that. Um, a lot of people kind of, you know, poo-poo all over, you know, AB and Bev and Goose Island because they're owned by Budweiser. Um, but, you know, we get their beers and they're good beers, so it's nice to see more readily available beers here in, in the state. So that's awesome. And... I don't know if this will affect you because you pretty much bought all your equipment, but they uh, they reinstituted the tax rebate um, for craft breweries um, where they can um, uh, write off equipment up to $200,000 worth of equipment as a tax write-off. It doesn't start until 2017. So I'm not sure if you might be able to like uh, kind of retroactively attach some of your stuff like that. It would be interesting, but... Yeah, they just uh, they released... A, it was a new bill. Uh, they thought they were going to try to attach it to the liquor bill, I, I guess, and it didn't go through, but then they snuck it through, and it's... Um, the credit was previously available for 30, 35 years in Pennsylvania from 1974 through 2008. And uh, like I said, it gives uh, tax credit approvals an annual 200000 maximum tax credit for qualifying capital expenditures. So that's good. I mean, and that in itself will kind of like help some breweries, if not open, buy more equipment and stuff like that and uh, actually welcome breweries to the state of Pennsylvania as opposed to pushing them out like Night Shift and some other breweries that wanted to open in PA. And other than that, um, not much else news-wise. You guys got anything? uh, There was another uh, buyout merger. Uh, Miller Coors, 10th and Blake. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. controlling rights to uh, Terrapin. Oh, we covered that last week. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. see what happens when you don't pay attention. I was drinking on a beach in North Carolina, bringing back beer for you guys. Well, so. that, okay, <laughs> then we won't we won't yell at you too much. Uh, bottle, bottle release wise, um, nothing too crazy. Um, one of my favorite beers is, um, has been announced. It comes out every year, and that is Alesmith's Decadence. It's their anniversary beers, and this year, I'm, this is kind of interesting. They're doing an homage to Anchor Brewing, and um, and the founder Fritz Maytag, and the it's going to be an Imperial California Common Ale. Um, basically a steam beer, but it's an Imperial Steam Ale, um, okay. which is pretty interesting sounding, but it's it's Alesmith. They really nail it when it comes to their beers in general, but especially their bigger 750 offerings are usually pretty bonkers good. So super excited to give that a whirl. And the only other release I can think of would be locally. Um, Soul Brewing releasing their Double Juice Box and their, um, and their what was the other one they're coming up? Or something yeah. It was a Belgian table beer. So uh, that's happening today. Pretty much now. So... There you go. Um, So, yeah, let's get to it a little bit. Do a quick introduction. Uh, Ben Schoenfeld, give us the beginning real quick. When did you start? How did you get into brewing, and how did Benny Brewing actually come about? Started home brewing back in about 2005. Um, Started brewing a small brew pub in uh, Marty's Blue Room. Did that from 2010 until 2015. Um, and then we started the construction of the new brewery in the beginning of 2015. 
With um, that, uh, what was the catalyst for you actually getting into brewing, though? Like um, from 2010, you opened. Did you homebrew a lot before then, yeah, or to about 2000? I started in about 2005. Okay, when I started home brewing, and what was it? Was it you just liked good beer, or was it an experience you had somewhere, or anything like that? Yeah, it's funny. I actually started off making wine, and um, <laughs> it was kind of you know something my grandfather kind of showed me how to do over the years, and we kind of went through that process. And I just really liked beer way more than I liked wine, so <laughs> I started like I'm trying to make beer. So we started doing that, and the beers were coming out good. Friends perceived it to be good, and um, just had an avenue to start brewing beer commercially, and took it. Nice. And um, and when you first got into it, was there a specific, like, were you drinking a specific beer and you're trying to duplicate that? Or was there a specific taste you're trying to find? Or was it more just a brewing process interested you in general? The, just a brewing process in general. I just like to always like the wide variety of styles. And that's kind of like what we do now. I mean, we do beers now from anything from Amber Lagers and Oktoberfest to Pilsners, um, Kolsch-style beer, all the way up to double IPAs and uh, Baltic Porters and... You know, really a big wide variety. With with the you know Oktoberfest and and the Kolsch and the Baltic Porter, do you feel like you lean more like um like a you know, you know European German style beers? Is that kind of like where you're kind of heading with your styles, or is it more just that's what you grew up drinking, so that's what you kind of started duplicating? I think it's a half and half kind of thing. I think I do a lot of the German style lagers and and ales, but I also really I mean really like the hops. So like the hops are kind of something that I'm really getting into more and more and. Uh, we're going to tra- taste another double IPA today. We do Hoppenstein. I even did a summer beer this year that was um, a citrus um, a citrus flavor. It's a grapefruit beer with uh, all citra dry hops in it. So just really mess around. We have uh, all kind of different styles. We're going to do um, a session IPA. is coming out soon. We're getting ready to package a green tea IPA done with Tomasencha Japanese green tea. So really just kind of mingling f- different kind of flavors in with different hops and... Nice man. That's a, the green tea one sounds super interesting. It's always a flavor that you you think would marry well with beer, but you don't see a lot of people do. I don't actually remember ever having a green tea beer. To be perfectly honest with you, yeah, same here. Yeah. I've had a couple of tea, yeah, like kombucha, um, things like that. That I, I've seen uh, green tea. I don't. I think I saw a green. I had a green tea cream ale. I believe mm, that makes sense. Well, let's do this. While we're you can take a break, have a cup of tea. Um, and uh, we're gonna after the break, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more. Um, Benny Brewing with uh, Ben Schoenfeld of Benny Brewing here on the Beer Geeks and WILK. Hey, nice car. I can't help but notice you're listening to the radio right now. Right on. Yeah, the radio's pretty cool. Yeah, too bad you can't listen to it when you get out of the car. Cars, man. They're like the world's heaviest radio, am I right? Yeah, good luck fitting that thing in your pocket. But but no, seriously, like jokes aside, I got this app. Another app, I know. Hear me out. This thing lets me use the FM receiver that's built into my phone so I can listen to local radio wherever I take my phone, which is everywhere. So I can listen to the radio everywhere. And I can see what's playing on every station, save my favorites. Oh, and it uses 75% less battery power and 20 times less data than my streaming apps. It's called Next Radio. Try it. I mean, you're already listening to the radio. Listen in more places. Check supported devices and download the free app today from Google Play. Next Radio. Live and local wherever you go. Know that sound? That's the sound of trouble for CPAP users. Did you know that just one drop of water in your CPAP system can become a breeding ground for mold and bacteria? 
Breathe that stuff in and you're battling respiratory infections, allergy attacks, and more. But here's good news. SoClean.com has released the world's first and only automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. It's the healthier way to clean your system because it kills 99.9% of germs in minutes. For a limited time, you can try it risk-free for 30 days. Just call 1-800-500-3575. SoClean makes cleaning your CPAP a breeze. It's completely hands-free. Just pop in your mask, close the lid, and presto, your CPAP system is clean and fresh in minutes. Don't let one drop of water wreak havoc on your body. Call SoClean.com now for your risk-free trial while supplies last. 1-800-500-3575. That's 1-800-500-3575. Built for business. In business, time is money. And business money is also money. No wonder nearly a thousand businesses choose Comcast Business Internet over DSL from the phone company every single day. Not only is it up to five times faster, it's actually a better value when you go with the fastest plan. So take a minute out of your busy schedule and call Comcast Business. It will be well worth your time and your money. Switch to Comcast Business Internet. Then add voice and TV for just $34.90 a month. And ask about our two-year price guarantee. Call 800-501-6000 or visit ComcastBusiness.com. Comcast Business. Built for business. Offer ends 831.16. Restrictions apply. Limited one voice line and private view TV for new customers. Two-year contract required. Requires Comcast Business Internet and an additional monthly charge. Equipment, taxes, and fees including broadcast TV fee extra. Savings claim based on cost per megabits per second. Compares Comcast 100 megabits per second and 20 megabits per second DSL downloads. Seems to me. with a little bit of beer goodness on a rainy Sunday here on the Beer Geeks WILK. Brought to you by Backyard Ale House, mind you. <laughs> Did you guys know that? They were brought to you by Backyard Ale House on Linden Street in Scranton. I had one of their burgers the yeah, other day. Their burgers was, are uh, so good. It's not Yeah, the funny. one with the egg on the top. Put an egg on it. I put an egg on it, man. That's that's pretty much my uh, my motto for life. Put an egg on anything. You know, it's going to be good. So, yeah, if you're ever looking for a good beer <laughs> or, or an egg burger, stop down Backyard. Come see me on Tuesdays. I do five for five there. Pour some beer for you. Have a good time. Anyway, enough of that. Um, let's talk about beer with uh, Benny <laughs> Benny Brewing. Uh, so we already touched on really uh, quickly about kind of your foray into beer. Uh, so you kind of you open up. You decide you want to brew beer. You open it up in your parents' restaurant, correct? Right. Um, how was that? How was that received by your parents? To be like, hey, I want to make beer. Can I put it in your restaurant? Because I've been to Marty's and I uh, love it. It's not the biggest place in the world. So to, to put that in there where they're like, gung-ho, let's do it, or wh- how how'd that go down? I think there's always a little bit of um, a little bit of trickiness dealing with the parents uh, at some yeah. points to uh, to get it out. But it, <laughs> um, it, um, it did work. Um, we did see a huge, you know, influx in customers coming in to have the beer and, yeah. and taste the beer there. But it just got to the point where it just wasn't large enough. And mm-hmm. it was time to move out and get into more locations and, and now, make and, more beer. And I guess that's what I'm pretty much trying to lead into here. It, it feels like you're, you're open a new place. And that's, you know, you want to expand. You want to have enough room to where you want to do what you want to do beer-wise. 
when you made that decision, like, was it more like, okay, I feel like I'm, I'm just, it's too tight here. I can't do what I need to do. I want to open a new place. Or was it more just natural, like I need to grow and kind of open, open my own joint? Was it a, a combination of the two or is it just more? Yeah, I think you got it pretty good with that. I, yeah. yeah, it was a combination of both. It was time for me to open up my own place and to grow on my own um, with the restaurant business. So it's going to be like a gastro pub in the new place. I'm kind of like upscale sandwiches, barbecue menu, that kind of thing. <laughs> Real fun food that just pairs well with, with good craft beer. No, okay. And uh, and so that that concept of opening up that place comes to mind when? I mean, it was probably always in the back of your mind, but when you actually were like, okay, let's open this place, when did when did that actual, like, pen to paper, okay, let's do this happen? That happened probably about about two years into the first brewery. Okay. So we started really thinking about, you know, the feasibility of opening up a much larger scale production facility with a restaurant. Okay, and then you decide to do that, and then you pick a you pick a spot, and you pick the Sansui down there, and uh, is that considered Nanakoke or anymore? It's, uh, it's Plymouth, it's correct? It's Hanover Township. Hanover Township. Yeah. Well, why there? Just out of curiosity. It's close to close to home. You know, it's um, it's in a location where we see about you know anywhere from ten to fifteen thousand cars daily to go by there. It's and it has all the right criteria. It's zoned correctly. It's got the right utilities. It's got everything that you need right there. Okay. Close, it's close to close to Route 29. It's close to 81. Quick on and off. You know, 81 north and south. You're with you're within five minutes of 81. So. And when did the construction start on the uh, on the place? Construction started last August. Okay. Is when we started. By the time we we had an existing 3,000 square foot building that was there, we bought a lot next door to it. We took a lot of dirt and soil and um, did a lot of work on that side of the property to level up for the new building. So we had a 3,000 square foot building. We tore it down and then we started building a 6,000 square foot building on the property from scratch. Which is always fun. We talked about that off air, some of the trials and tribulations of building. There is a million uh, <laughs> traps and pitfalls, I want to say, that, that go along with building. No matter how well the plan is laid out, things always go to as built at some level. And um, you just kind of go with it, and things change as you go and as you see it grow. And it's um, it's been a been a definite uh, learning experience throughout the construction process. And so last August you start construction, and then you're pretty much almost ready to go. Um, you're kind of close to it, but um, you're still got a little ways to go. I mean, you know, I know you don't have a, a fixed date for an opening, but if you know ballpark in it, and like, when do you think you might actually you know open the doors to the public? I'm I'm hoping uh, early fall at this point. Okay. Um, yeah, well, right now we have the, the production side of the brewery is completely open. Um, people are welcome to stop in if they'd like and grab a sixth or a half a beer uh, oh. to take home with them if they'd like for now. Um, but it is out in 20 locations right now. Uh, we're working on a canning line. It should be in in about two weeks, so hopefully about a month, month and a half. We should have beer out to grocery stores, convenience stores, other bottle shops and, and such. So the can should be out, which will consist of a line of the core brands, which are the 570 Amber Lager. We have a Belgian-style wheat beer. Um, we also have the Pale Ale. We have the Hoppenstein that we're drinking right now. Um, then we have the Seasonals, which is Sippin' Time, which is the Grapefruit Summer Beer, uh, Dry Hop with Citra. We have an Oktoberfest, which is called Benny Fest. We have a Dunkel, it's a dark German lager, and also an oatmeal chocolate stout. So those would be the, the eight that will be in cans all the time. We're also going to introduce a one-and-done series of beers. One-and-done series number one we actually have here today. It's a double IPA. The next one coming out is number two. That's going to be a green tea IPA. 
Um, there's many more in the list of different beers, from pumpkin beers to honey Baltic porters. Ooh, you're there's speaking my language right there, baby. Yeah. Some, some Russian Imperial Stout recipes that are uh, in the works right now. Um, maybe Joe wants to come down one of these times and do that <laughs> chai stout that he makes. It's I'll so do good. A, uh, do a collaboration with you. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, now y- you said you were gonna you're gonna get a canning line. You're actually purchasing your own canning line. You're gonna do canning in house, correct? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. And uh, when you do that, are you actually gonna sell cans out of? the uh out of the space or are you gonna leave that to like secondary market no actually that's the beauty of this because we also have the restaurant and the 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 brew pub so you have the option if you want to come in and buy it buy the single can we're going to do mix sixes so you just pick out two of each three of each you know whatever you want to do to make up your six pack put it together the one of the bartenders put it together and you could buy it that way you could buy a single can six pack you can buy you know um you'll be able to buy a 12 pack or if you want to buy it by the case you can come into the come into the other side and buy it in the brewery best you, of both worlds you can take a, ha- a half home with you you can take a sixth home with you it's really a one-stop shop Man. at that point now um now h- how many taps are you gonna have there uh there's a dozen right there's now all in-house beer most of them will be in-house. I'll probably have some guest beers out okay, as well. Okay, that's cool. So. I always like that when there's a little bit of guest action going yeah. on. It shows a little bit of uh, oh, a hand-held-out kind of action going right. on, which is nice. Right. Um, and uh, the restaurant side of it, do you active? are you actively like pairing beer with food or you're doing more just like a, 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 a good food and good beer kind of thing? I think what we're going to do is we're going to have some suggested beers of our house beers mm-hmm. on the menu. So if you get like a certain burger or you get a, a pulled pork sandwich or the house-made pastrami, we'll have lists of beers next to those, which we would suggest that you would taste with that food. Okay. So we're going to try to add that right onto the regular menu. Nice. Um, yeah, man. Hopefully you get that open for Oktoberfest. It, sound, it sounds like the perfect kind of uh, grand opening kind of festival really, thing going really on. We're really trying. We actually have a, um, uh, a German-themed beer garden patio that's on the back of the I know. I saw pictures. That's what I was saying. So. It just kind of screams Oktoberfest yeah, to me. It has me. a smoker outside. You can sit out there and see the all the barbecue food being cooked right in front of you. You got the beer right there. I mean, Brad is a uh, barbecue aficionado. We also have a row. We have a 100-foot row of uh, hops that are growing in the back, too. Nice. So what are you growing? Do, we're growing all Cascade. Cascade in, in our area seems I've tried multiple, multiple different kinds, and Cascade just seemed to be the most flawless growing hop. Just the environment lends yeah, itself it, to... I've, I've grown any kind you can imagine, and they all, none of them work like Cascade. Cascade just flourishes in our area really good. So we're probably... Even this year when it's like the weirdest weather in the history yeah, of mankind? It, it was completely dry. <laughs> it was the first year I put them in the ground. They were barely watered. I was busy doing stuff inside, so I kind of neglected them a little bit, but they still grew... 20 feet tall this year and there's hop cones on them as we speak so for first year hops to do that i was really that's really that's really, really good to know i've been looking into uh to like growing some hops myself yeah cascade rhizomes are probably the best ones that you're going to be able to to grow in our area that i've seen so now let's touch on that for a minute you're growing your own hops do you typically use whole hops or are you mostly pellet and then you're just growing these just for for some one-off stuff i mostly use pellet hops um i'm looking to do the hops in the back we're doing a mug club membership so that was one of the mug club like appreciation things that we would have like a hop picking party in the back and set up um set up a 
a buffet kind of thing for the mug club members and they could eat for free for the day and hang out and have a couple beers and then help pick the hops and then we would give away a growler of beer for everybody that was in the mug club to like help out brewing the beer and we were going to do a fresh hop beer with just all cascades that's so. pretty cool so you want to you're really trying to connect with people that come into the brewery and Absolutely. do stuff like that now the mug club thing what's that all about mug club membership is uh we're doing it uh it's going to start this year it's going to start when the brewery opens it's 75 dollars for the for the year you get a mug that's made by um, Dave Stabley. He's from Williamsport. He does his own pottery and everything. So he's going to do um, the mugs for us. You're going to get the mug. You get a free meal on your birthday. You get one free new release a month. Um, you get 10% off all merchandise in the shop. And Mug Club Mondays, everything in the place is 10% off. So we're going to be doing that starting when we open the open the place. So there's still option now for people to go onto the website and look up the Mug Club section and, <coughs> and order a mug today. Okay. And then... Um with you moving from the old place, which was how many barrels again? With the old one? It was one half barrel. One half barrel, and you yeah. moved to? Ten barrels. That's a little bit of a jump. Um, 20 times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Um, now, are, are you still kind of working with the same beers, or now that you have a bigger setup, are you being a bit more experimental? Because you you can now, I mean, you probably are selling more beer now because you're in a bigger, bigger system, but you, there's more room to play, I guess you would say. Um, most of the, the core brands have stayed the same. The seasonals have switched a little. We used to do uh, summer ale with uh, Kolsch-style beer. We changed it to sip and time, so that's now the grapefruit um, grapefruit dry hop citra beer. The oatmeal chocolate's out. We ended up bumping up to an oatmeal, or I'm sorry, the oatmeal stout was bumped up to an oatmeal chocolate stout. But the one-and-done series, I bought two tanks just to make one-off beers. So those beers are something that'll be made once and maybe not made again or brought back, you know, two years, you know, if we ask somebody in the restaurant and do a contest, who wants to bring a beer back? Let me ask you this. Are you writing the recipes down? Absolutely. They're coming back now. Yeah. <laughs> it was true one-off, you wouldn't write them down. Yeah. yeah they would, they'll come back, I would think, at, at some Instantly point. Instantly delete them. Just, just get drunk one night and make a beer. Mm-hmm. See if it works. You know, and that's kind of the beauty of the, the one-and-done series is that you can take a beer like that, and if it becomes something that's really, really good, it might end up becoming one of the core brands or it might become a seasonal, you know, down the road. But that's my the ability for me to be able to experiment with all kind of different ingredients and different kind of styles of beer. Um, what else we have the option to do now is because we could brew so much more. Every Friday at the new place, we're going to do Firkin Friday. So we're going to have a different Firkin of beer. We messed around with one the other day. We did a double IP like we're going to uh, taste in a little bit. We took that beer, put it into a Firkin. We added a Belgian strain to it. added mangoes to it and fermented the beer out that way and ended up with a completely different beer. Super fruity, probably dry. Yeah, it was very, yeah, it had a dryness, a little tart kind of edge to it and boy, was it good. It really came out good but we'll be doing something like that every Friday different starting at 5 o'clock because we're going to do a happy hour Monday or we're going to do a happy hour seven days a week um, from 5 to 7. Okay. Every, every day. So you'll be able to come in, and then on Friday nights especially, we're going to tap the Firkin on the bar every Friday at 5 o'clock. Nice. So. At, at the moment, uh, like staff-wise, in the brewery itself, is it, ju- is it just you? or Right now, it's just me. Um, I also have you know, a couple of friends will stop by and you know lend a oh, hand yeah. here and there, moving some stuff around. But um, the system is pretty automated, um, so it does make it a little easier you know, to be able to move stuff around. 
What was the biggest, uh, I don't want to say um, hurdle, uh, let's use that word, hurdle, going from that half-barrel manual system to the new automated system? Was there was there a learning curve to it, or was it pretty much just plug and play? Um, did you have any growing pains on it, or... Um, I think, you know, it, it worked out pretty well. We bought the brewing equipment from um, Alpha Brewing Operations, and they did send in um, a technician for seven days. So he was in-house while we were doing this. And we talked weeks and weeks before going through recipes. We worked on new new spreadsheets to develop recipes from the smaller scale up into the larger scale. So once we got to it, the first batch we did was pale ale. Um, starting gravity of the pale ale was 14.8 uh, original gravity. We were 14.9 when we did it, so we we're point zero one, you know, percent sugar. Mm-hmm. The beer was pretty much dead on. Like it worked yeah. out really well. Um, but you know, you're guessing efficiencies a little bit and trying to figure out, you know, more more weight of grain you put in the mash tun, the more um, the more the efficiency drops. So you're, you know, that that part of it was a little bit of guesswork. But I mean, overall, I mean, we've. I, I think that it's really worked out fairly well. I mean, I think the beers have been shined up, if you want to say, a lot more than they were before, and um, everything, you know, tastes. I think tastes much better with this new, more sophisticated equipment. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird kind of. Um, I don't want uh, how to put it. It's like the human factor is what makes almost everything awesome beer the whole nine but once you actually get the recipes the way you want them the less human involvement touching of the beer you have you're going to have more precise kind of product i guess you would say so is that probably the biggest change for you is going from something manual to now with the beer basically being all inclusive inside the system till it's actually being drank you see a, a big kind of bump in and um, I don't want to say quality, more like uh, consistency. Word, consistency. Yes. Yeah, the consistency is absolutely a, is is absolutely tenfold better than than it ever was. I mean, before you would you know I would hand mix the mash and you would try to feel and you know when it was mixed right. Now you go by time, you go by revolutions of per minute of the mash augers, and you're watching temperatures and times and flow rates, and it's more monitoring now <laughs> than it is. But if one of those is off. That's the human touch still. You know, you have to make sure that everything stays in the parameters. Okay. Now, um, going, uh, is there a beer that you've always wanted to make that you haven't made that you're kind of like having a pipeline that you're like, okay, I'm definitely going to do this now that you're on a newer system or is it more just constantly experimenting with different stuff? It's it's just I, just the ability before I was so stuck because I had to brew such, I brew such little amounts that I was stuck brewing just core browns for certain customers that wanted it, which was great because I would keep up with what they wanted, but I wasn't, it wasn't able to experiment. So the exciting part of the new place is that I could at any given time write something down on a napkin when I think about it, take it back to the brewery, put it in the brewing software and figure out if it makes sense and if we can brew that beer. Yeah. And then sourcing out the products as local as possible and as fresh as possible to be able to make virtually anything that comes to mind. The, um, and how is the, and like you just touched on it about locally sourcing kind of product and stuff like that. How much like product do you get from this area? Well, a lot of the, a lot of the regular recipes are, unfortunately are grains that come from overseas or they come from different parts of the country because we just don't grow that here. The hops mm-hmm. the hops are a big part of that, but a lot of the one-off beers in the future will have stuff, especially during the summer months from local farmer's markets, you know, or different kind of things like that. We'll be able to do that kind of thing. Pumpkins or different things we'll get locally and, and do that kind of thing. Don't talk lovingly about pumpkin beers. You know you hate it. Come on now. Having <laughs> <laughs> to open all that pumpkin, man? It's horrible. We're going to do a different version of a pumpkin <laughs> beer this year. It's not going to be your copper uh, copper pumpkin beer so it's it's going to be something different that'll be 
coming out in a little while. Ooh, nice. I like a little bit of. T- I like. Uh, I like pumpkin beers. I actually shouldn't poo on them. There's some I actually really do like. Some of the best ones actually do come out of Pennsylvania. Weyerbacher, Fegley's, and right. Uh, make great. I mean, um, Saucony Creek. I mean, it's technically butternut squash, but that's probably one of the better kind of pumpkin beers. So I shouldn't make fun of them that much. Do you know what I mean? But um, I've heard the nightmares from brewers about having to deal with pumpkin beers sometimes, and it's just. Uh, which is kind of weird if you think about it. Usually they're out now, and I haven't seen any hit the shelves. They usually come out like yeah, around July I'm, now, I'm and, surprised and I have not seen any hit the out. shelves. It's really weird. It's like I thought pumpkin beers were going to get to the point where they were coming out on time because they were so early that they would just eventually get released <laughs> in October for the year previous, right. year after. Do you know what I mean? They kept getting sooner and sooner and sooner. Anyway, see, next week you'll see Oktoberfest. <laughs> like Sam will be on the market. Next that makes week, sense though, because Oktoberfest is September. It's not October. No, but I'm saying, but like that's it's. <laughs> It's a short window between Oktoberfest to pumpkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like one of those weird things that I just haven't seen a pumpkin beer yet. It's really odd. Anyway, uh, not to get off topic, but um, so you get in a new place. Um, the brewery side is running. Um, the place is primed to be open. It's not opened yet. Now, between when you open, is it just pumping out beer and getting that canning line uh, ready? Pretty much. That's that's demo. That's it. We're just focused right now on getting beer out to the local market and getting prepared for the canning line to come in so we can start packaging um, beers for the canner, you know, get that stuff done. Um, We're going to be doing some can releases at the brewery as well with the one and done series. So just trying to get that in the door and and get it set up. But on my end, we're pretty much ready. We're waiting for it to ship. It's coming from British Columbia, Canada. So they're, they're doing the final testing on it this coming week and they should ship it out the following week. So, okay, nice. Now, I mean, how is uh you've been you've been around for a while 2010 like a maybe break or proceeds the other net it's all like you're in all your lines head stuff like that so you've been around for a while um it, it, how is the community taking your move to this kind of bigger level i guess you would say for the lack of a better word like opening this like not just uh people from nanico because you probably had a bunch of like locals that like right. oh this is great like how are they taking it being that you're moving out of there and then uh, conversely, Hanover, how have they accepted you as far as the new place coming in? I think, you know, I think everybody's kind of, everybody's excited. There's there's buzz out, and I hear every every day, oh, my God, there's so many people asking. There's so many people, when are you opening? When are you opening? But Hanover, to Hanover itself has really been, everybody that I run into is always saying, when's it open? And I'll wear, be wearing my beer shirt out or whatever, <laughs> logo shirt to a grocery store or something, and people say, when's that open? And, you know, being a home improvement store, and they're asking the same thing, when is it open? And I'm like, well, we're waiting to finish the parking lot, and once that's all done um, with all the permitting issues, um, we're ready to go. I mean, it's really ready, but everybody, you know, it's a larger place. There's more to see. There's more to do. You could sit there at the bar. You could sit at a table, see your food being cooked. It's an open view kitchen. You can go on the patio and see the barbecue smoker in action. Or you could sit at the bar, and the backdrop of the bar is the whole 10-barrel brew house. There's nothing blocking it off. You can, If you had the right seat, you could probably sit there and watch something being canned or being kegged while you're, while you're in there. So it's, you know, it's... No, I've, I, I've seen pictures of it. It looks awesome. I haven't it's seen not, it in person yet. It's but. not a place that you're going to walk into that you're just going to sit down, you're going to eat a meal, and you're going to turn around and leave. It's a place that you can come in and really experience. It's it's more of an experience. It's not just, you know, sit down, eat, and go home. You know, there's a lot to look at. There's a lot to see, a lot of different things to do. Now, like, um, having to deal with, like, kind of, like, the bumps and red tape to open up, it seems like you probably all wanted to open a little bit earlier, be open pretty much by now. Now that you have this little bit of extended kind of... 
stay of execution or whatever you want to call it till you get open. Do you think that's almost like a to, like a lemonade out of lemons thing? It, it is kind of cool because people are kind of like, oh, when are you opening? When are you opening? And it's getting through this kind of ground, this swell of people like anticipation waiting for it to open. It's like not a good thing. You'd love to be open, but at the same time, it kind of it kind of helps build a little bit of uh, I don't want to say hype, uh, uh, momentum. Yeah, I think you know, there's this it, the buzz just keeps getting larger for it. I think you know, so I I think that yeah, it's it does help out, but it's also there's other unforeseen things that I probably would have had to rush and do, <laughs> you know, throughout the process. So now you're finding that out and um, just it's it's gonna be, it's gonna work out better, even though we have a little bit of a delay here in opening. Um, everything's gonna work out better. It's, everything is well way more organized. It's it's gonna be set up very good. Awesome. So. Good beer stuff, man. Local beer stuff is good beer stuff. That's what I'm talking about. So let's do this. Let's cut to a break again. Um, we'll cut the breaks, pay some bills, and we'll come back, talk a little bit more Benny Beer goodness here on the Beer Geeks and W-I-L-K. to the new Miller Surplus Home Center at 83 Waller Street in Wilkesbury for huge savings. All kitchen cabinets are on sale. All hardwood and laminate flooring are on sale. All fiberglass doors are on sale. The prices are crazy low. Miller Surplus Home Center has a huge selection of fiberglass and steel doors in stock and everything is on sale. Tile, laminate, and hardwood are all on sale. So get into the new Miller Surplus Home Center and save big money now. These prices won't last forever and supplies are limited. So get in now and save big money at the new Miller Surplus Home Center at 83 Waller Street in Wilkesbury, or call 570-824-9007. That's 570-824-9007. Free custom kitchen designs and quotes. Get into the new location for Miller Surplus Home Center at 83 Waller Street in Wilkesbury in the old modern floors building now. It's important to remember to choose your pharmacist as carefully as you choose your physician. Hi, this is Eric Pusey, owner and pharmacist of the Medicap Pharmacy in Oliphant. At Medicap Pharmacy, we offer a healthcare team you can trust. Additionally, we're proud to offer a variety of services such as weekly medication planners, local delivery, immunizations, customer rewards programs, Medicare guidance, and as always, friendly professional service. Give us a call at 383 6700. Medicap Pharmacy. Hi, it's Sue Henry. I've been telling you for almost a year now how much I love my pillow. And now they have a great offer for WILK listeners. Check this out. It's their four-pack special. Mix and match any two premium pillows, queen or king size, and get two free go anywhere pillows. Use the promo code WILK. It's time for you to think about yourself and your sleep needs. My pillow is the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation. It has patented interlocking fill that adjusts to your sleeping needs. It's it's washable, it's dryable, it has a 10-year warranty guaranteed not to go flat, a 60-day money-back guarantee, and it's made in the United States. So if you've been holding off, now's the time to do it. Here's the number, 800-544-7893 with the promo code WILK. Tell them you want the four-pack special, or you can visit them on the internet at MyPillow.com. 800-544-7893, promo code WILK. And make sure you tell them you want the four-pack special. Sweet dreams with MyPillow. Have you been searching for the perfect engagement ring or an exquisite gift for a special occasion? Rainbow Jewelers is where you'll find it. Rainbow Jewelers, consistently voted the number one jeweler in the Wyoming Valley, 
Valley has a large selection of GIA and EGL certified diamonds, engagement rings, necklaces, bracelets, and earrings. Rainbow Jewelers also has wedding bands, birthstone jewelry, mother's rings, all high quality at the best price. Plus, they sell citizen brand watches and offer jewelry repairs. Rainbow Jewelers, 789 Wyoming Avenue, Kingston. Open Tuesday through Saturday. Nothing like a little old-timey piano music as a lead-in for some beer goodness here on <laughs> the Beer Geeks and WILK. Um, welcome back. A little um, local beer goodness in the form of Benny Brewing. So, we've covered a lot uh, so far as far as the inception of the brewery, um, moving, um, opening a new place. Um, let's talk about beer. I know we already talked about it. You, you have this one-off series coming out. Now, are these gonna are these planned one-off series, or is it more like uh, just kind of like experimental stuff with the extra hops you have lying around, or anything like that? Is it actual stuff you're like, okay, written down, conceptualized beers, or more just kind of finagling? I guess you would say. I think some. I think it's a big mix of everything yeah. at some level, which is that again, which is like the fun part of the whole one and done series. Is it you know might have like oh I got like some extra hops left for this beer and let's let's try it this way. Let's you know but let's let's add them in in a different part of the process to see how the beer changes. Or some of them are just names that have been written down. I thought would be a good name or something for a beer. <laughs> Some of them are full-blown. So you're writing the title of the song before you write the song? Sometimes, yes. Yeah. Um, sometimes um, there are recipes that don't have names. I mean, some there's there's probably 10 or 15 that are ready to brew at this point, um, but might not be now because of the weather or something like that, you know, depending on the season that I want to put them out. But sometimes I write it down on a napkin and come up with a recipe and put it in and it gets pushed ahead of other beers, you know? So it's just really whatever the feel is of the time, you know, whatever, whatever I really want to do at that time. No. Cause go ahead. I was gonna say, I'm, I'm a nerd about like the numbers, you know, and stuff like that and, and ingredients and things like that. So we're drinking this double right now, which That's is one of the one off, the one off. Right. Right. Uh, what's it coming in at like ABV, like IBU, like do you have any like readings on those that, yeah. you know, ABV is 8.2. Because it's not drinking like 8.2. No, no. It's, it's, this is pretty dangerous. This is dangerous. Right <laughs> like it really dangerous. is. I know. Yeah, it's 8.2. It's 175 IBUs. It's 175. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what are you going to do with that? Like, uh, <laughs> like Hop-wise, hop what are you using? Because um, I don't know. I mean, everyone else in here, you, we've been in the, the craft beer industry for, or drinking for a while. Old school it, hops, is, right? Is, is this is Cascade? It, is no, he, there's, uh, there's Columbus. There's, there's Simcoe and there's Citra Hop in it. Okay. Because it seems to have that little bit of that onion, you know, that, that you've seen a lot more in, in double IPAs now. Yeah. You know, like Rushing Ducks or, uh, you know, G-Bot and things like that. You get that little bit of that, you know, where it seemed like in the past a lot of the IPAs were more just floral and... Right. You know, is is that something that you were just trying for or you know, just what the hops you had? I just think with the with the total amount of bitterness that comes through it sometimes, you know, maybe Columbus or something like that might add that in. I use the Columbus more on like the bittering side of it. So sometimes if you when the mass of quantities that you use, I think you'll get some of that that might come through in that. And you get a little bit of that like onion cat pea stuff. That's Simcoe's calling card, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. um now, let me ask you this, a little bit of opinion. Where do you fall in that line? Like, a lot of the beers that you make are, like, you know, your German traditional stuff with um, some of the newer uh, IPAs. The IPAs kind of lean Midwest 
West Coasty kind of style of uh, IPA. Where do you fall in that new school, hazy, crazy, unfiltered? I'm putting flour in my beer to make it look like um, butternut squash soup. I don't put flour in my flour, beer. Flour, yeah, yeah, yeah. flour is the new. Trend. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't want to starch haze a beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm good with that. But um, where do you fall with that opinion? Wise, is it appeal to you in any form or fashion, or is it more like float your boat? I'm not doing it. Yeah, I just do what I want to do. I don't really say this is a West Coast or an East Coast. Yeah, I don't try to make up like a. A moniker for it. Yeah, right. I don't make up a name or a a region for the beer. I just kind of do whatever I want to do and try to come up with flavors I, you know, think are going to work, and that's what I go with. Okay, fair enough. I want to label it. No, I I always like to get a little bit of a, you know, kind of opinion on that kind of whole new school kind of hop thing because it's very, it's polarizing. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people do fake. The the big thing is that haziness, and it's it's a lot of it's faked. A lot of it is just you're basically flouring your beer, and 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 it does. do things it it basically extends suspension and then it gives you a little bit more of a texture and flavor and stuff like that but it's also kind of like i don't know some people view it as the wrong way we had um i forget what the brewery was they're from the west coast their name is slipping in my brain but they were like the one the one brewer there was so adamant about how that was the wrongest thing in the history of mankind and how he will never ever make a beer that's like kind of like that new school east coast style Anyway. All you're doing is putting a permanent star chase in the beer with yeah. flour in the boil. I mean, that's yeah. pretty much yeah. all you're doing. Yeah, it's not rocket science. No, you know it's not I mean? hard at all. Yeah. I mean, if but, I was going to make a beer and I wanted it to be cloudy, I would, pro- I would put wheat in it. Yeah. Put yeah, wheat you sh- you I shouldn't would put wheat have to put anything else in there. No. Right. It should just be like a chill haze or a you can do yeah, You can, you can like manipulate that through the brewing process you know, yeah. one way or another without having to physically add flour to a beer. Yeah. No, I, believe me. I get it. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, so you, you working in the new spot, like, from going from the manual to more of an automated system, like, the downtime that you have, do, like, is there a little bit of, like, um, I know it's not as romantic, but does it lend itself to you being a more efficient brewer with this? Because the way the system works and whatnot, do you feel like, okay, now you're not putting in as much, I don't want to make it sound like it's easy, because still brewing is not easy, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to say that, but without having all that legwork in there, is it more just, do you still, like, have that romantic side going on for you, or is it more kind of lost its luster a little bit. I don't want to say that. I have the hard, uh, the not the words to articulate what I want to say about it, basically. It, it being a little bit easier, is it, is, it, is it where you envisioned when you kind of fell in love with brewing? Let's put it that way. I'm, I'm just, everybody, anybody who brews beer, the best day of making beer is the day that you mash in, the day that you're making the beer. Like, that is by far the best. Yeah. The packaging side, the other side of it, that's fundamentals that are used between every beer. Every beer is going to get packaged very, very similar. They're kegged, they're canned, they're, it's the same process. That gets very repetitive at some point. The best part is the morning that you walk in and the recipe's ready to go and you start mixing that grain in and the smells that come into the brewery and everything, that's always going to be the best. Everybody loves that. Everybody loves brew day. So um, to be able to get the process started, and it's with anything with brewing and anybody that does it at home or as home brewing, there's times when you run around like crazy and you do all kinds of different things and then you stand around wait and then you hurry up you know then you run around like crazy again this just kind of gets rid of a lot of the a lot of the backbreaking work of the process you know so everything is so automated that it you know augers grain into the mash ton and you watch flow rates and temperatures and everything like we talked about before so a lot of times you know when you get to a certain point you can stand back and watch it and more monitor it so it becomes a little bit easier but then it's still 
it still has that nerve-wracking part because you're using lots of dollar value worth of products and materials that if you slip up a little bit, changes the entire beer from batch to batch. So there is that part of it as well. But I think it's definitely more fun to be able to do it on a larger scale like this and more monitor things than constantly working with the product the whole time. See, this is the portion of the show where I'd ask what is the worst part of the day or the brewing process, but we all know the answer to that, so I don't even ask that. Cleaning. Cleaning is the worst. It's always the worst part, you know. To this day, it's still even with automation. I think it actually gets worse because there's so many pipes and hoses and fittings and everything that needs to be cleaned. Before, I would clean, you know, a half a five-gallon bucket worth of parts. Now, I have, like, barrels full of parts that have to be cleaned at the end of the day. So, it's that's the part. You know, the brewing process takes... Four or five hours, six hours. The cleaning part takes three hours, and it's just messy and sloppy. It's like you know, three hour part. (laughs) You know, cleaning is the worst part because if you ever talk to a brewer and you say, "Oh, how do I get involved in becoming a brewer?" They go, "Go to a brewery and offer to clean for free." You know what I mean? That's how you know it's the worst job because that's the same answer every single time. Oh, go clean 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 kegs, kegs. clean tanks, clean (laughs) anything. That was was Joe's thing. He said he what he he just jumped on the floor, yeah, canty on and start like uh, scooping out the the, the waste. (laughs) And they were just like, "What are you doing?" He's like, well, I came here to brew. <laughs> so. Yeah, any any brewery out there will hire somebody to clean anything. <laughs> <laughs> or even offer offer it for free. That's what they try to do. Anyway. Right. Um, now, let's let's touch on that. It, it, you know, as a person locally that, you know, you, you, know, you, you started brewing, started brewing out of uh, the restaurant, opening your new place. What would you tell somebody who is brewing who wanted to make that next step, that leap into actually becoming a professional? What would you tell them? And on top of that, what would you have done differently if you could have from the beginning? I would I would tell them to go and speak to multiple breweries and find out what they go through before you actually go through this process. Because I'm going to be very honest. It is not a fun process to get to where I'm at right now. It's, it's very difficult. There's permits and there is, there's more permits and red tape and paperwork, mountains and mountains of paperwork that need to be filled out. And it is very, very time consuming. And there are traps and pitfalls along the whole way of things that you just never see coming up. Um, so I would say go to talk, go and talk to other brewers first. Go to talk to other breweries. Find out if they're willing to, to teach you and show you how to do everything or give you an idea of um, what needs to be done. It's the tax recording and the um, filings and... Everything else in between that um, that really draw into the process. It's, it's live radio. Yeah, <laughs> it does happen. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I mean, like getting into it. Everybody has this romantic kind of ideal about beer. They think it's all drinking um, copious amounts of beer while sitting around and laughing and giggling and then nothing actually is work and it's just all fun and games and you just go, hey, let's make this crazy beer that it's thought of and then you make it and then then millions of people buy it and everybody's having a good time. There's so much work that goes into it, it's not even funny. So now for you, like uh, the second part of the question, if you were to change something for yourself about what you did from the beginning, would you do anything differently uh, as far as the, the kind of path you went on? that you'd like to mention on live radio? (laughs) (laughs) 
I think I think that the, the path that I'm taking now is the right path, and um, that I have to believe that I've I've gone to where I wanted to from when I started. I thought you know I'd start off small, give it a try first on a smaller scale, and then move into this size scale. It's definitely very trying. You know, every day it's it's difficult. It's it's not easy. There's new things that constantly come up. Um, just learning how to maintain equipment and fix things, and, and that is where the the process is. You know more than just walking in and let's make a crazy beer and sell it to a million people you know that's so there is there's there's a lot involved with it but um i think overall i i wouldn't i wouldn't change too much i don't think fair do you, enough do you feel that um like growing up in the industry like in the food industry with your parents having the restaurant and stuff like that do you think that like helped out a lot oh there's there's no doubt there's no doubt i mean there's a lot of people out there that make great beer but don't know how to make food you know, or it's vice versa. So you could have great beer and then people come in and they eat and then they don't like your food. So then they're not coming back and drinking the beer. So there's a lot, you know, involved with that. Or a ton. I, the amount of people that open up a business who never ran a business, that in itself is, right. is crazy. A lot of people are like, I got this idea. And be like, oh, well, if you can't complete it, then. I was going to say, like, I've had conversations a lot in the past, like, especially with, uh, like, you know, I make sauce and cook and stuff like that mm -hmm. on the side. And people are like, oh, you should open this. I was like, there's a lot of arrogance I think like to be like to be like you know what you know I mean I think you need to have it too to be like you know what I'm making is good enough that people need to try it well it's, it's know, a fine line between like, arrogance and confidence you should be confident yeah. in what you make and if you're confident about what you make and you believe you should bring it bring it to whoever then you should do it you know what I mean but there's some people that they they live in a bubble, or they don't understand how they... A lot of people just want the sausage. They don't want to know how the sausage is made. And all they see is the sausage, and that's the problem. Yeah. You know? So, so tell people, how do they find you? Where do they go online, offline, the whole nine? Plug yourself. Uh, 1429 Sansui Parkway is where the new location of Benny Brewing Company is right now. You can also go to www.bennybrewing.com. Okay. Check out the website. All the information that you would need is all on the website. Or you can call us at 570-235-6995. That just rolls off the tongue. 6995. People are talking about it. I hear people say uh, fun things about some of the weird beers you're make, kind of making over there. And, and can't wait to uh, stop by. So, yeah, another good show. You have any questions, Joe? You're a brewer. Come on now. Um, yeah, actually, um, you're saying in the old place, you're doing a lot of core brands just to keep up with that. How is the reception to then doing something, something crazier, like something outside the box on the times that you actually were able to do that? I think that anybody, you know, if you can send it out even especially in small batches like that, giving another local establishment or even myself just that cutting-edge beer that not anybody else ha would have really brings in customers just to try that. So I think for their, pro you know, their customer base, it it drives their customer base I, up. I think really what I'm going to is, like, in a in a place like, like Nanny Coke, you're probably being one of the only, like, craft beer places around how was the the reception to what I'm assuming to be mostly a Coors Miller Budweiser crowd? I think it was good. I think you know it started off, and like I mean, there's 
I think with any good brewery, I think you need a couple entry-level style beers mm-hmm. for people that maybe are the Miller Coors or Bud drinkers. Um, you know, you do an Amber Lager or a Belgian Wheat Beer or even like an Oktoberfest style, and you have something like that, and then after a while they get used to drinking those, and then they want something bigger like all of us, right? I mean, yeah. I don't think any of us started off drinking Russian Imperial Stout. <laughs> I did, you know? out of the womb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for this guy, you know. Yeah. Um, but... I think everybody kind of moves up and they, you know, as it's the same thing if you're eating hot food. You know, you start off eating something more mild and you keep building your way up. Yeah, unfortunately, I took us a little bit too long there, so we're up against it. So we're going to have to cut you short, unfortunately. Right. But people can check them out, Benny Brewing, um, over there in Hanover Township. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoyed our show and join us next week on Beer Geeks, WILK with Vault Brewing. Cheers.